You're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. Lethal injection is used for execution in a number of countries, most notably the United States and China. A recent study published in the Public Library of Science went further than just giving political opinions when the authors researched the techniques that were used in lethal injection in two states and concluded that these protocols may not reliably affect death through the mechanisms as intended. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is attorney John Sheldon, co-author on the paper. John is from the law firm of Divine, Colin, and Sheldon, and he is currently litigating several death penalty cases. He has done much research into the historical perspective of lethal injection. Today we're discussing the role of the physician in lethal injection, and thanks for taking the time to talk with us out of your busy schedule, John. Sure. Tell me, how did you get involved in the work of Dr. Zimmers and Dr. Canaris at the University of Miami? Well, I was litigating death penalty cases, and it was apparent from talking to others who have litigated cases, especially a Dr. Mark Heath, who has been involved greatly in challenging lethal injection, that there was a problem with the way that states were executing inmates. Dr. Coney Aris had been a longtime friend of mine, and it just happened that we were discussing lethal injection one day, and I told him how lethal injection was implemented, and he was just shocked that that's how states would choose to put to death an individual. And from there, we decided to do some further research, and it uh, evolved into several papers. How many states have lethal injection, and why were you only able to access data from two of them? Well, right now, 37 states have lethal injection on the books. A fewer practice it regularly. For example, a state like New Hampshire has lethal injection and the death penalty on the books, but has never implemented it. The states, especially the Department of Corrections within the states, that implement the death penalty are historically very secretive. And so getting information from them is extremely difficult. And we were only able to get sufficient information to write about two of the states for this most recent article. You say it's secretive or? States are extremely secretive. For example, there are Freedom of Information Acts in every state in which they practice the death penalty. And if you were to read the Freedom of Information Act law, one would think that you could discover the drug regimen that is used in lethal injection simply by writing to the State Department of Corrections and saying, what three drugs do you use for lethal injection? But, for example, in Virginia, their response was that divulging the names of the three drugs would put their personnel and facilities at a security risk. And it it sounds like nonsense, and it is nonsense. It is simply kind of a rote falling back on not wanting to provide any information. Eventually, we were able to convince Virginia that naming the three drugs they use in lethal injection did not put personnel or buildings at risk. And they, re- they repeat that phrase, and all states do, because that's the Freedom of Information Act exception to giving information, if it would put a building or an individual at risk. But, of course, naming the chemicals the drugs that they use, does not put their personnel or buildings at risk. That's the type of thing that we face in lethal injection challenges. As a physician, it wouldn't make any sense to me that knowledge of the chemicals could put an individual or an institution at risk. But for, for those listening who don't know, what is the lethal injection protocol? Well, almost all states use the same protocol, which is first anesthesia, and they use uh, theopentol in almost every state. 
Second, they use a neuromuscular blocking agent called pancuronium bromide. And third, they use potassium chloride to stop the heart. Each state uses those drugs in similar quantities, although the main difference is the theopental, the anesthesia, is used in a different quantity in different states. The least amount used is two grams in Virginia. California, as far as, as, far as we know now, uses the greatest quantity, which is five grams. I know a little bit about what happened with Oklahoma and how this originated. Can you tell us that story? In Oklahoma, lethal injection got its start, and it was a, a, an odd for an odd reason. There was a legislator in Oklahoma, a state assembly member named Bill Wiseman, and he was a Quaker. And his problem was that he found the death penalty objectionable and electrocution objectionable because because it was gory. But he knew that his constituents were 80% in favor of the death penalty. But he wanted to kind of ameliorate his conscience and do something that was a little bit more humane. And he thought, he analogized it to his pets. Why can't we put these inmates to sleep? So initially, he went to his personal physician and asked his physician, what can we do to put these inmates to sleep rather than electrocute them? And his physician said, well, I'll get back to you on that. And his physician did get back to him on that. And he said, well, I can't give you the answer because it would violate my Hippocratic Oath. And Wiseman then went to another doctor. He went to the Oklahoma Medical Association and asked Dr. Jay Chapman, the state's medical examiner, for help. Now, approximately what year was this? This was about 1977 when this happened. And so Wiseman goes to the state medical examiner and asks him, and the state medical examiner, who really had no experience with, with anything, and in fact said, I have no experience with this sort of thing, then came out with this protocol, which as best can be uh, determined was based on a model of what he saw as the way surgery was done. And there are two distinctions here that are important to point out. One is that he said a continuous drip of theopenthal because back in 77, uh, the physicians listening will know that theopenthal now, because it's unpredictable in so many people, it's not a very common anesthetic agent now. But back in 77, I believe it was much more common. And so he suggested theopenthal and he suggested a continuous drip. One of the problems is that now states have gone to bolus dosing rather than a continuous drip, which has quite a different effect. Was a continuous drip ever used? As far as we know, a continuous drip of theopenthal has never been used in an execution. It was always a bolus dose, and that's because the way it's administered is they take basically a prison guard and have them push a syringe, and and it was too complicated to do a drip. And I'll also mention the, the reason why the pancuronium was used, it appears, is because Dr. Chapman was trying to mimic an operation in which it was important that the individual not move. I, I think most doctors are aware that it's not important to use a neuromuscular blocking agent in a surgery, except if, for example, it's a delicate surgery on the eye or something like that, where you don't want the person moving. So there was really no purpose to the pancuronium bromide, except that's what Dr. Chapman at the time thought was appropriate based on surgical procedure that he knew about. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with attorney John Sheldon, and we're discussing the role of the physician in lethal injection in America. 
You know, John, attorneys like physicians were very well educated. We actually have a lot in common. Uh, we're highly trained professionals. But how do you see the role of the physician in these cases? Should he be litigated for participating, or is he really just doing his job? Well, that's an interesting question. I think it's a hard question for each individual, and it's been written about quite a bit. I know that some doctors take the position that capital punishment is legal, it's going to be done, and the physician has a duty to do what they can to ameliorate the suffering of the individual. And by not being involved in a lethal injection execution, certainly there is a much greater chance of suffering of the individual. And then others take the position that by participating at all, you're helping the system in executing individuals, that executions are more difficult to carry out and may not be carried out at all in some instances if a doctor doesn't participate, so that it's unethical because it facilitates execution. I know the AMA has come out with guidelines which prohibit physician participation. Nevertheless, the Annals of Internal Medicine had a very interesting survey in November of 2001 in which they asked doctors anonymously, would they perform at least one action disallowed by the AMA if asked to participate in a lethal injection, and 41% of the doctors responded that they would. Now, there's some interesting um, issues in Georgia where the medical board, and actually an, an internist, has filed suit to try to force the Georgia medical board to discipline doctors who are aiding in executions, despite a state law that's immunizing those doctors from punishment. Would you comment on that? Georgia is a unique situation in that because of secrecy within the states, it is difficult to determine whether or to what extent doctors are participating in executions. But in Georgia, it is well known because the doctor who participated, although my understanding is he is against the death penalty, he participated because there was a particular execution that had taken more than 30 minutes. The nurse had made several attempts to start the intravenous line and was continuously poking and prodding at the inmate, and he was in some pain at this point from the attempt to place the intravenous line. And there's no physician around during this administration of drug, correct? It's hard to tell because states are so secretive, but in most states there is a physician around, and that's about all that we know. And we know that because many state statutes say that a physician has to be present and what really happens is the physician is usually in another room. Well, in Georgia, the physician was in another room. He worked on a contract with the prison system. He stepped in and he uh, inserted a catheter into the inmate's right subclavian vein right. and facilitated the execution. And he wasn't aware at that point what sort of politics he was stepping into. And I, I believe he really did it out of compassion. Like I said, I, I'm quite sure he's anti-death penalty, but he saw this man suffering, and so he did participate. Well, that's what we're trained to do. I mean, if you're someone's trying to establish IV access and you can't do it, it would be your instinct as a, as a medical provider to do it if you're in that situation. That's right. It's a very awkward situation and a very difficult ethical dilemma. You're seeing this man suffering. There is no doubt in your mind that the man will die anyway, and there's no doubt in your mind that he will suffer more if you don't participate. So what is a doctor to do? Then you participate and you facilitate his execution, which very well might facilitate more executions in the future because you've, you've made it easier to do so. I don't think it's an easy question. After he participated, other doctors did file complaints against him. Ultimately, I believe he 
had no professional sanction against him. But to be sure, the Georgia legislature, after this case, passed a law which immunized doctors. But it is still, I know many doctors feel it is offensive for other doctors to be participating in executions. And in fact, when the British first looked at this in the 1950s, they rejected lethal injection solely on the grounds that by physician participation, it would bring such ill repute, such distrust for physicians and the medical establishment that it couldn't be done even if it was going to be more humane for the inmates. It was not worth the cost of the disrepute that it would bring on the medical establishment. And so in the 50s, the British, they wrote a report and it rejected lethal injection on those grounds. I want to thank attorney John Sheldon, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing lethal injection, the role of the physician. And I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.